Bulls Gold is delivered to you via the Barroom Network, now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about Chicago sports, movies, and more. Make sure to subscribe to the Barroom Network for free and easy downloads of its programming. And visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Now, on with the show. Bulls Gold here on the Barroom Network. I'm Edward Schuler, joined by Salim Sudawala. Salim, how's it going today, man? Hey, Ed. It's going great. Uh, it's been a minute. You and I haven't uh, been on the mic for a, like a month, I want to say. Yeah. I think it was, it was after the draft. We had Corey on uh, going over Dalen Terry and Justin Lewis. Yeah. Uh, we were all excited at that point and hopeful for free agency uh, coming up. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, uh, I mean, like, technically, they didn't have a terrible free agency, but they didn't really address their needs. Um, yeah. Yeah, we'll get into that. But, yeah, it's been a minute since you and I talked, and uh, so there's a lot of stuff we want to uh, get into and kind of, you know, just talk it out and also with Summer League uh talk about that as well yeah absolutely it's, it's been a little while a, a lot has happened uh not a lot for the bulls but a lot has happened around the league and it seems like it's still happening so uh we got a lot to get into we're going to talk about uh the offseason we're going to talk about andre drummond goran Dragic. we're going to talk about zach levine's new deal uh we're going to talk about summer league we're going to talk about luxury stats. we're going to talk about everything so strap in and get ready and what better way to discuss all of these things bring you back one of our great friends on the show, uh, formerly of Bulls 101, Chris Robinson. Chris, thank you for joining us, man. Thank you, guys. I was going to say, speaking of uh, long hiatuses from being on the mic, <laughs> All right. it, it feels it used to feel second nature, and it's, I'm almost getting like the butterflies again. So I appreciate you guys having me on <laughs> to, to talk no, some Bulls, man. Definitely. Yeah, uh, I think man. you were on like a couple of months ago. I think it was towards like – Right before the playoffs, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, you guys had me on once, um, but even that was what a month and a half, two months. I don't remember time as a right as a flat circle. So yeah, no, it flies by, man. It's like I was saying, it, it's been a uh, this all season. It hasn't. It wasn't. It it doesn't have the vibe of last off season. Last off season, there was a lot happening, a lot of good vibes. Like everyone was into it, and we were all on board. And this off season is just the complete opposite. So I, I don't think we really expected the bulls to be making like splashes like they did, but I think we were hopeful that they would make moves that at least got us more interested, at least made more sense with the flaws that the team has on the roster. But uh, as we said at the top of the show, and everyone knows the bulls signed Goran Dragic, they signed Andre Drummond. Drummond will back up uh, Vooch Dragic, his role it seems like he's going to be some insurance for Lonzo Ball. They've been very kind of mum on 
the status of Lonzo Ball's like injury and in Bulls land, that's usually never a good thing, right? So, uh, who, who knows what's going to happen there? But Chris, let's, let's start with that. So, uh, Goran Dragic, Andre Drummond, what are your thoughts on these signings and what they mean for the team? And do you think that these were the best moves possible given that the, given, I guess, the restraints that the Bulls are working under with luxury ties and things like that? Kind of a loaded question, but what do you think about these moves? <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of thoughts on him. Yeah. I mean, I like Goran Dragic as a player. I like Andre Drummond as a player. Drummond was maybe the best backup uh, center in basketball last season. Like he was, he's very, very solid. He's a regular season innings eater where he can soak up minutes. He's a great rebounder. He's just a big body out there. And defensively, he's not a rim protector in the traditional sense. But he he does give us a little bit of scheme versatility on the defensive end because he can play a little bit uh, more like closer to the level. He's not a good drop coverage big though. That's kind of the the flip side of it. But he does give us a little bit of flexibility for that bench unit. Um, for him, I guess that the money's fine. I mean, the money's fine and the player's fine. I just think as you as you said, kind of at the top at. It wasn't really the offseason that I was expecting uh, with these two players being signed. It was um, it was a little Garpaxian feel to it. Mm-hmm. Like it just right. kind of like here's here's the here's the names that we all recognize. Let's just go sign these dudes at the cheapest price available, which is not a terrible terrible strategy. You know, we kind of knew that it wasn't going to be a big splashy offseason. We had to shore up our bench. We needed some size. We needed some shooting. Need some rim protection. I don't see how now Drogic three years ago, I would say, would help our shooting a lot. He has had kind of a down couple of years. I don't think he's going to help us defensively at all. Um, but you know, he's he's a good player. Like I've always liked Drogic, and I've um I, I never expected him to be on the Bulls, but you know, for for the deal it is, I think it's I think it's really solid. If you think about, you know. Uh, who they're replacing. Like if you think of Drogic replacing Matt Thomas and Drummond or, soaking up Tony Bradley Brown minutes mm. or Troy Brown Jr. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's an upgrade for sure. Is it enough of an upgrade to move the needle in the East? That I would say, at least right now, it'd be a solid no for me. I, I just don't think these moves move the needle. The other thing that concerns me a bit with, with Drogic especially is there was a report that he was promised 20 to 25 minutes a night by the front office as part of the signing, which number one means someone's leaving in that guard rotation. Like there's Mm got to be some trade pending or the Lonzo ball knee situation is much worse than we thought. And they're just trying to provide some insurance. So I don't know, but that's kind of like a murky situation there, but you know, they're kind of, they're good players. They're veteran players. They'll help the team. Um, But I thought, a lot of the other options out there that were available at similar prices or maybe a little bit, you know, within our price range for sure, I thought would have been better. So I think, you know, it's funny when I look at it. So like Drummond, especially like you mentioned some of the things he does well and like the Bulls uh, when Wucha wasn't, wasn't on the floor last season, struggled on uh, defensive rebounding and he's going to help big time on that in that regards. Um, Goran, I mean, shooting was whatever. He can handle the ball a little bit. Uh, 
we've talked about him being maybe um what do you call it a a backup to our emergency situation to with Wanzo's out. I don't know if they're still going to move Kobe, but there these two moves are kind of like moves with, that would have been better if they had done them like last season during the trade deadline. Like those, there would have been like solid moves at the trade deadline type of things. Um, going to the agency, especially AK and well, AK and John will mention, you know, we're going to, get shooting and rim protection and did neither of those. And that's why you kind of mentioned the Garpaxian um ask off season where they said we're gonna get young and they did neither and they went the opposite, you know, spectrum of that. Mm. They did no shooting and no rim protection. Uh it's so it's just bizarre. That's the way I see it. It's just like a confusing off season and in the sense in a sense too, you kinda have to look at ownership. At, at that too, because there's certain things they could have done to really address some of the needs, like especially when them saying, okay, we're not going to allow you to use the full mid-level exception because it's going to put us in the luxury tax. Uh, they could have used a t- traded player exception probably for Drummond, like do a sign and trade to get him and then have the full, full mid-level exception to address like that three four where you can add a shooter and and an upgrade in that regard. So yeah, it's just it's a frustrating it's been a frustrating off season and we just have to like it's a lot of things as far as I know I know people get mad about it. It's saying every team has a situation where a lot of things have to happen to go right to take a you know a step forward. But right now the way I see it, I don't know if the way you guys see it, but the way I see it right now, the Bulls are back in that five to eight, at five to ten spot. Like they're, I mean, more than likely that five to ten, they're going to be in mix for. They're not. They haven't taken a jump up into the top four. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it, it's. Drummond, Drummond on itself, like, I, I, I think that's a fine move. Like you guys said, it, he's not making a lot of money. He's a, one of the better backups in the league. He rebounds really well. He's a big body. Like he, I, I think that's fine for what, 15, 18 minutes a game. There's a lot worse players you can put on the floor for, than Andre Drummond as your backup center. Uh, Dragic, uh, or Dragic, I, I think for that signing, I'm just really more worried about what this means for Alonzo Ball long term, especially when you combine that with uh, drafting Dale and Terry. And there seems to be at least some sort of link where they're kind of shoring up more of their options on the perimeter. And just the way they continue to talk about this injury with Alonzo Ball, like it it really just seems like they're not really sure what's going to happen there. Like. Maybe he's ready for the season opener. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's going to miss some time at the beginning of the season. Maybe he's not. We don't know. But it it seems like Jodges is probably going to start either him or Caruso. So uh, I, I think I'm just more nervous about that. And then I honestly don't know, like, like is Jodges really still, like, kind of a quality player at this point? I'm not really sure. Like, I think he's traditionally been a pretty solid player, but I don't I don't know if I really want him to to be a starter but i think really all of this just keeps coming back to the fact that they've just been so confined and i think the uh they've gotten a lot of flack for using the uh biannual exception on tristan thompson 
at the deadline, but that seems to be kind of a precursor to what they were going to be limited with. So they knew they weren't going to use the biannual exception in the off season. So they basically just kind of did what with whatever with it while they could, I guess, and just gave Tristan Thompson a little bit more money. So it, it just seems like they were just really limited in what they could do. Like they had a TPE, but they couldn't use that. They're not going to use a big chunk of a mid-level like, this just kind of goes back like this is kind of an ownership offseason. Like it kind of has that same vibe as to when they traded Kyle Corver to save five hundred thousand dollars from the luxury tax. Like <laughs> it, it's just not. I don't know. It, it doesn't feel like the optimal basketball moves that they could have made could have made. And I think if they didn't have that confinement, then we would see a completely different offseason. I agree with you. Now, I will say this about. Drogic and Drummond and the off seasons or the, the front office is thinking we saw last season, how devastated this, this team was by injuries and COVID. Mm. And we had to play non NBA players, significant minutes for significant amount of the season. From that perspective, maybe the front office was pretty worried about that. Some sort of similar scenario happening again, Drogic and Drummond are NBA players. Like if you had to put them on the floor, to play 25 plus minutes a game mm-hmm. in an emergency situation like we had last year, they're going to perform much better. They, they are proven playoff caliber players. So in that sense, like it's not a bad thing. Like I'm not going to say these moves are bad. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I just, as you mentioned, given the alternatives, given their self-imposed limited resources, I thought they could have done better, but the self, the self-imposition is really disheartening because you know, ownership has been on record saying they'll pay the tax if they think that they're going to field a championship level team. But you can't field a championship level team unless you pay the tax. Mm-hmm. So it's you know, it's it's kind of a it's a self fulfilling prophecy. Like oh well, we can't pay the tax unless we have a championship caliber team. But you can't put one together unless you're willing to pay the tax. And you've got a majority of the MLE still there. You had that five million dollar trade trade player exception. You could have used a biennial exception if you hadn't used it on Tristan Thompson at the deadline. Like those were things that they, or they could just go into the tax. Like there's no one stopping them except ownership yes. uh, from doing that. So that's where I think it's disappointing because, hey, you know, DeMar and is not getting younger. Vooch is not getting younger. If their goal is to compete for a championship, then I think that the offseason was a failure in that sense. Yes. If it's just to compete, Sure, they had a fine off season, but now I, I I thought that they were going to be the former. I thought they were really going to try and go for something in the next couple of years. I'm now starting to think that maybe they just really wanted to get back into the playoffs and get that sweet playoff revenue, and they they just want to be they're fine with being, you know, a mid tier playoff team. I don't know. Do you guys yeah. disagree with me there? No, I think yeah, I think you're spot I, on. Like. And and that's kind of always been one of the knocks on the Bulls is that they don't really want to pl- like they don't want to spend to win necessarily. They want to spend to win under their terms or when it's like really convenient. And when you look at how this team is structured around DeMar DeRozan in his prime at what, like 30 DeMar's like 31, 32. You just gave Zach a new deal. Vooch is in his 30s as well. You have a team built around guys who are in their prime. So taking a stance where you're basically just kind of like half in, half out, 
doesn't really seem to make the most sense. And, you know, me as a fan, like, hey, I, my fandom and, and, and enjoyment of this team isn't really built around championship or bust or like, you know, winning a championship. But I think that if you have this team built around these veterans, like, I don't understand why you can't just go all in and see what you can do. Like, it's not like DeMar is going to be in his 20s for the next four or five years. Like, you really kind of got to give it a shot. And last season kind of proved that because we have no idea if the Bulls are ever going to be in a situation where they are sitting with the best record in the Eastern Conference again. Like, when we were talking about the trade deadline last season, we were talking about how the Bulls had a non-zero shot to win an NBA championship. Now, obviously, that didn't prove to be true, but at the time, it was definitely logical. So now you're looking at a team who definitely has a zero chance for such as of winning a championship, but it's still built around like these guys who are in their prime and you don't want to spend to compete. And it just seems like a, a weird stance to me. Yeah, I think like when you look at uh, what AK and Mark did in the offseason, like even the moves, these moves that they did. So when with Zach's extension, which we'll get into in a little bit, you know, they, they give him the full five year, his max. Mm. Uh, Drummond, they give him that option of the player option. Um, and I think they did similar to Dragic. Um, these are like player first type of signings, like the contracts that is. Um, and that's, that's like a big market mindset. Like we're going to take care of our players. Unfortunately, ownership has a small market mindset. They are, like Chris mentioned, they're trying to just be good enough to be in the playoffs to collect that playoff revenue, you know, limit spending as much as possible, do these tiny moves. And when, when your own, when your front office is, is operating with that mindset that we're going to make these, these small moves, all of a sudden the tax line then becomes a jeopardy because that that extra three million that you decided to see, say yeah drum and take the extra three million for next season now next season because like, oh crap what do we have to do now to cut <laughs> to mm-hmm. cut under the tax if they're going to be in the tax I'm not sure exactly what the salary is going to be next season but like just an example as I'm giving it, it, it's it's like a conflicting conflicting um like ideology like the front office has versus the ownership and that's always been a problem and it's annoying as hell that we're in chicago one of the biggest markets in the world one of the biggest most passionate fan bases in the world and our ownership keeps doing stuff like this like people mention on twitter some people that are defending uh the the moves and saying okay well we can't it doesn't make sense to pay the luxury tax because you know there's not a viable way to get out of the front for this team it's like wait a second now the bulls have two legit all-star guards um who at their peak like when they're healthy are capable of playing at an all nba level if that's not viable reason enough to try to go all in more i don't know what is like what like you do you have to have like a top five player and that's only when ownership would be like, okay, now we're going to spend. Like, that's just like a bizarre thing to put a baseline on. Like, if, if, if we somehow were able to get Jokic, Jokic, like, is that when 
ownership to like, okay, now we'll stop. Like that just I don't I don't get it. Like you have two all star guards who are all NBA caliber when they're healthy and when they're when they're playing together. That's more than enough reason for me to try to say, let's go. Let's see how far we can get this, you know, team to get get in the playoffs. Like, yeah, again, they're not guaranteed to be a title contender. I mean, a, a guaranteed final team or anything like that, but at least you give them the best opportunity as possible. And and they just are refusing to do that. Well, and here's here's the rub. A lot of people say, well, hey, you don't want to go for it. You don't want to push in all your chips and go for a team if it's going to be mediocre. But the thing is, we already did. We already spent all these first-round picks to bring in these players. The only obstacle is money. It's just money. We don't lose anything of actual value as far as team building is concerned. We're not shipping out extra picks to try and bring in better players. It's just a matter of maximizing the roster that you have. And if you have to go into the tax for a year or two, do it. Because it, you know how long are Damar and, and, uh, and Vooch going to be here? Or how long are they going to be really effective and at the level that they're playing? Probably not very long. I mean, you're not looking at a repeater tax situation like Golden State where you know they're setting records for the NBA payroll. We have ownership that has plenty of money. As you said, they have a small market mentality, even though they shouldn't, even though they play in one of the largest markets. It's, there is no downside other than Jerry's pocketbook taking a hit, which if you're running a basketball franchise, and if you're running it like AK and Eversley have been, which I've been very positive about the way that they've gone out and, and paid those people, you know, they went out and paid Billy Donovan. They went out and paid overpaid for DeMar DeRozan. Like they went out and got their guys. They were aggressive. Hmm. And so then you have this offseason where it's like, are these really their guys? They're like, was Drummond and Drogic, are the, were those at the top of their list? Or even um, Danilo Gallinari, who they thought they, were, they had in the bag and then decided to go to Boston. Like, was that really at the top of their whiteboard? It just, it seems so anti-AK. Yeah. It, it, it just it but it smells so strongly of Jerry Reinsdorf's <laughs> way of doing things right yeah. so that's the thing is that bothers me the most is that you're not losing anything of actual basketball value you're not losing picks you're not losing valuable players you're just losing the owner's money and so if that's the only obstacle in your way and that's the reason you're not spending it that's a, a bit of a shame yeah um uh... It it really is a contradiction of approaches because I think it's almost like if you know that you're not going to pay the luxury tax the next year, then what's even the point of acquiring all of these older or not even older guys like these guys in their prime and giving up these draft picks? Like it's a it's a I, I like that they took a big market approach to it, AK and Eversley. And that's what made us so excited last year because it was finally like, OK, we're we're not you know, clutching our draft picks. We're not clinging to only making moves under the salary cap. We're making moves over the cap. We're giving up draft picks. We're going for it. We're being aggressive. We're, you know, acting like a big market team for once. And then now we're kind of, you know, in this confined hole where we can only get players while staying underneath the uh, luxury tax while still hoping to be a really good team next year. So it's just really, it's really frustrating, but, like you said, they, they have done some good things. And I think one of the things that everyone did love was the Zach Levine uh, extension. It got 
uh, hammered out pretty quickly. He didn't meet with any other teams. He got the full max and there were a lot of good vibes from that. So that was like kind of a bright point in what's kind of been a really frustrating all season. So w- what do you think about uh, Levine's extension? Uh, this is the first uh, $100 million contract uh, <laughs> that any player has signed under a Jerry Reinsdorf team, which is still a crazy stat <laughs> to me. Jay- Jerry probably had a panic attack and yeah, yeah. No, oh, for sure. Like that's just in, that's insane. Like I, I didn't believe that when I first saw it, but it, it's true. So Zach yeah, Levine, Jericho is like ninety five, right, or something like that, or just like just yeah. under a hundred. Yeah, it. Yeah, I was like, wait, I thought Derrick Rose was a hundred, and it turned out he wasn't. I was like, oh, well. yeah. <laughs> and they they blew past the hundred million dollar mark pretty easily on on the Zach yeah on the right. Zach uh, contract. I I really this is what they should have done. It's what they should have done four years ago. And I think the importance of the way that they did it was because of how it went four years ago when Zach had to go and get an offer sheet from the Kings. Mm. You can tell how much that bothered him at the time and it even still did. Even when his, you know, we had the exit interviews, like the media sessions, he was like, I'm going to enjoy free agency. You know, like that was his mindset. It was, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to get my due. And so the fact that the front office just said, hey, we're giving you everything you want. That spoke respect to Zach. And Zach immediately gave that respect back. He even said in an interview, it would have been disrespectful of me after having been offered everything I wanted in Chicago to go out and talk to other teams. And so he didn't. So for Zach, I don't think it's about the money as much as it is about his respect and you know feeling like that he's being validated as a player. And I think as human beings, that's what most of us want anyway. You know, it's it's not so much about the money. It's about feeling validated and and feeling like you belonged. And so I, 100%, the front office blew this out of the park. This is the way they should have done it. They handed them the offer. They said all the right things. They did it right. They got it done. They didn't quibble. They didn't make him do the DeAndre Ayton thing that just happened. That's going to piss DeAndre Ayton off a lot, I'm sure. They just did it the right way. They knew that Zach was worth the max, even if there wasn't a huge market for him, even if teams didn't have cap space, they didn't want to go through that hassle. They did the right thing. So yeah, hats off to them. It's, it reminds me always though, when we talk about Zach of Jimmy Butler and how they did the opposite thing last time, they saw a guy that was about to get paid a big contract who wanted to be in Chicago, who was a rising all-star player and they shipped him out of town, even though he didn't want to go. And it is funny that it, it uh, a Jimmy Butler phrase comes to mind. You got to risk it to get the biscuit. You guys remember Jimmy Butler saying yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> About and it, it reminds me of ownership's mindset of they're not willing to risk it to get the biscuit as far as you know paying the tax. But I'm glad that they did what they should have done with Zach. Yeah, I think yeah. So like, not all bad stuff to look at in in the off season. Like you mentioned, we, we signed Zach and give him what his worth is. I think, I, I think there's still room for him for, for growth for him. Um, I, I'm hoping that he has learned, he learns from DeMar as far as late game ball handling and decision-making. Uh, we still have ways to see what he can, uh, uh, what he can do in the playoffs when he's healthy. A uh, big thing I, I need, I'm going to need like Will Gottlieb or somebody to ask him what his thoughts are on, on like load management 
because I think that's important for Zach because he has a tendency to like just play all the season until like little nagging injuries start building up, like his ankle. Like he's had stuff always happen, like his ankle sprain or something like that that just kind of, you know, bothers him. And then all of a sudden, end of the season, he's just kind of banged up. Um, and then obviously this is the first season where we saw where it was actually implications because the team made the playoffs. But I'm hoping that's something that ownership or not ownership, sorry, uh, uh, the front office with AK and Mark and then Zach as well are sitting down. It's like, well, okay, let's let's look at how we can keep you healthy uh, going into the playoffs. Mm. Um, that's going to be important, I think. What are your thoughts on that, Chris? Well, I think it speaks to what I said before, which is they brought in players this offseason, eat regular minutes so that Zach can stay a little bit healthier. I think one of the reasons that Lonzo was so broken down this season is because when everyone got COVID and injured, like he was playing way too much and Iowa was playing way too much. And I'm surprised that DeMar stayed as healthy as he did because DeMar was playing too much. So having more NBA quality people on your roster, you know, that's, that's going to help you. I, I, I agree with you, Salim. I said it on Twitter too, that I think if Zach, if Zach's knee is cleared up, he's going to have a really, really good season. He is one of the absolute best cutters and best three-point shooters in the NBA. It's a rare skill to have, to be like elite at both of those. And he's got it. And this, you know, we all know how much this team needs that shooting consistency and volume from outside. So I think, I think Zach is going to have a great season. And I do think, um, you know, I don't know if you need to do, I don't know if you know if you need to officially do load management for him. Um, but I'd certainly be cautious, especially in the beginning. And as, as you have available bodies, you know, just we know what's important. And with the way the East is, as long as they can secure a spot in the playoffs and not the play in, I think we're going to be in a good position to, you know, to compete and really see what this team is made of. But we're not going to be able to do so if, if we're not healthy. And that's what we saw, obviously, this offseason or this uh, this postseason. So let's I think I'm oh, good. I was to say, I'm, I'm also excited to see. I know I was up for trading Pat, not because I didn't like Pat, um, just because I thought Rudy Gobert just made that the team that much better. Um, but I'm excited about Pat having an opportunity working out with DeMar all offseason. I've seen him work out on his own, too. Some of the uh, off-dribble moves that he's doing with his trainer. Um, I think we saw Io as well as another player to look at as far as development curve. Uh, you know, we, we had certain expectations last offseason when we drafted him that, okay, he can maybe contribute this season, coming into this season, not last season as a rookie because he's a second-round pick. He might not play as much, but obviously he became a big part of the rotation, and rightfully so because he was good. He was contributing to winning games. Um, obviously tailored off to the end, but I think that's just because uh, being a rookie and kind of, playing in un, unwatered situations where he's not used to playing that many minutes that long in a season, and especially the playoffs. It's just like a, a completely different animal for anyone, let alone a, a, a rookie coming into the league. But, yeah, watching his workouts this offseason, so he's working on, like, the uh, off-dribble jumper. He's, like, a pull-up three he's working on. You know, those guys – we, we we keep saying, yeah, a lot has to go right. But, like, if those guys really could change the conversation um, we have next season for what this Bulls team is um, as far as their, their ceiling. Because 
if they take a, a pretty decent step, not they don't need to become stars next season, I don't think, for the Bulls to Bulls to take that next step up. But if they're guys that are even making high level impact on more consistent basis, this Bulls team all of a sudden is just a very different team and they're looking like maybe they can have home court then at the end of first round. Um, so let's... like how how like how excited are you guys about Io and Pat? I'm I mean, I, I'm excited about Io. I think he can still I think he can take another jump. I think most of the eyes are gonna be on Pat because he's such he's really that key to unlock as you talked about, he's really that key to unlock the ceiling of his team. If he can become I don't want to throw like points out there, but if he can take a jump, a noticeable jump as a player, and we can see more aggression, we can see more use offensively, we can see more confidence, we can see the resemblance of a difference-making two-way player, then it's just a completely different conversation about what this team can be over the next couple of years. Uh, so he, he can definitely unlock another gear with his team. And he fills a big hole because last season we were talking about, hey, do we need to trade for a, a, a four or a three, four, someone who can play uh, both sides of the ball, knock down an open shot. So theoretically, Patrick Williams could be that guy, but we got to see if he can uh, meet that breakout. I agree. Um, I, I think you guys know this, but I'm one of the one of the highest people on Pat <laughs> in kind of our, our bull sphere. And I know some people have kind of lost some faith over the last two years of his, um, of his career. But I honestly, I've seen nothing from Pat that makes me doubt my original analysis on him, which I think he's going to be a multi-time all-star. I just think he will be. I think he has that skill set. He's got, he's a good, he's a good passer, dribbler, playmaker. He's a good shooter. He can finish, he can draw fouls. He can defend. I just, he's got all those skills. It's just about him having time and reps so my only concern with Pat is how much, how many reps is he going to get as a on-ball creator in Chicago? I do think if he if he can play more with the bench unit, and I said this, I think it'd be in last year, if he can get those reps as an on-ball creator in, in the bench unit, we saw it a little bit in his summer league stint. He's good, and he can really work out of the short roll and kind of like just that the nail area. He's really he's a really good passer. He's a good decision maker. He just needs more time. He's 20 years old and he's played just over a season of basketball. He missed almost all of last season, yeah. which is really it sucked. But no, I mean, I still think we need another three, four, but, but yeah, yeah no, he's going to be really key. And we said that we said that last season that Patrick Williams is the X factor. He's the wild card here as far as this team's real ceiling. And I don't know how much expectation we should put on Pat, but I I know the front office thinks very highly of him. And I think that, you know, they, they view him as a, you know, a cornerstone piece of their franchise going forward. And, and I agree with them. I mean, I, I really think unless you get blown away by an offer, you should keep Pat. Um, he's going to be, he's going to be really good. But I think the X factor for this season is going to be Lonzo Ball's knee, honestly. Yeah, that like, too. So it was to, to IO, the IO point real quick. Um, man, I was so wrong um, about him. Not that I didn't think he'd be a good player, but I didn't think he'd even be really playing many minutes on this Bulls team, given our strength in the guard position uh, in that rotation. But he showed out. He had a great season. And 
he's got all the skill sets to be a longtime rotational player for this team. He's an impact player already, I think, uh, coming into his second year. So I, I, I expect Io to continue doing the things he was doing. I think he should up his shot volume a little bit. Um, but he was, he shoots a good percentage. He's a good passer. He's a good, you know, he's a good defender. I, I, I've been really impressed with him. I have nothing, nothing but, um, but great things to say. My only concern about Io is the fact that he's only on under contract for one more year. Yeah. Like that, that really mm-hmm. sucks. But other than that, no, Io's great. I'm really happy we got him. I actually think he could, he's going to start, uh, when, with, with Lonzo out. You'll have him start the season and then, because uh, he showed a lot of lot of potential as a point guard in this league, um, he, he was at one point leading the team. I mean, it was smaller, granted smaller sample size, but he was leading the team and uh, in uh, pick and roll uh, points for possession. Um, so I, I like his potential there. Like I said, if he's continued to work on that aspect of his game and especially offensively, he, he puts pr- pressure on the rim. Um, continues to open up that his three ball. Uh, obviously, he, you know, he, his defensive prowess, he's going to continue to get better at that regards. But yeah, I, I like, I like to think that he'll start for the Bulls and then they'll bring uh, AC off the, continue to bring AC off the bench while Lonzo is out in recovering. So let's kind of shift into, we're talking about ceilings. We're talking about how good this team can be with different X factors. And let's start with you, Chris. Going as the as the East stands right now, and there can be other moves that you know happen over the next few months with KD, Kyrie, who knows? But uh, as the East stands right now, where do you see the Bulls, and what do you think their like best case realistic ceiling can be, given that? Yeah, so I think now that Boston's kind of figured out their internal issues they really improved their roster. I mean, they got Malcolm Brogdon, they picked up uh, Gallo. So they're going to be, they're going to have a really strong rotation next year. And, um, you know, as, as much as been, as, as has been made about the Jalen's ability to, you know, be playmakers, I think, you know, obviously they made it to the finals. They're doing something right. So I think they're going to be really tough to count out as a home court team. I I think they're going to be really, really good next year. Um, I think they've got a really good shot at having um, the best record in the East. I think Philly is also in the boat. I think they improved this offseason with their acquisitions. And they got Danny Green out. But, um, you know, their their trade for De'Anthony Melton. De'Anthony Melton's really good. Um, he's going to have a lot of – he's going to have a lot of uh, good stuff on his team. And, and James Harden, if he can get over that hamstring issue and, and kind of get back into shape, and that reports are that – he's doing that. I think they're going to be a really, really good team. And especially against the bulls. I mean, they just cooked the bulls every time they played us last year, uh, even without all their players. So he's a freaking cork was, was like, was drilling threes against us. So I think bulls those two teams. For cork oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, you know, it would be one of those things where he, he then shoots like 31% for us. Yeah. That's definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that's the Doc Rivers. That's the Doc Rivers strategy: is is sign all the players that that uh, destroyed you in in a regular season game. Um, but I think you know the Bucks. Obviously, if they're healthy, they're just as good a team. And I think 
So I think that those three are kind of in their own tier above us. I think we're in the mix with Atlanta, Toronto, and Cleveland, kind of in that next tier. And sorry, and Miami. I think Miami is probably my favorite as the fourth, you know, kind of the top of that tier. Hmm. Um, but I still think we're better than Cleveland. I think we're still better than Toronto. Although I think in two years or even next season, that's probably not going to be the case. Um, they got some really, really good young guys. But as currently constructed, I think we've got a little bit more high-end talent than they do. And, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a battle. With Atlanta, I think they're going to have some growing pains adjusting to, you know, the addition of DeJounte Murray and the loss of some of their other rotational players. And we're going to see what happens with John Collins. So, you know, stay tuned. He might not be on the roster. If he stays on the roster and he's happy and healthy, they're going to be really good. Um, you know, adding DeJounte there on defense, he was one of the best point of attack defenders in the NBA in the last few years. I know he's, I know he kind of took a little bit of a step back last season um, as he took a step forward as like a lead playmaker, but um, they're going to be a good team. So, you know, I think we could, I could see us being a home court advantage team. I could also see us fighting for that seven or eight spot uh, with those teams, depending on health and, you know, mid-season acquisition. So it's going to be a bloodbath in the East. It's just going to be, it's just going to be a bloodbath, but I think this is a really good team. I mean, I think they're a playoff team caliber, but you've got seven or eight other caliber, you know, playoff caliber teams in the East right now. Mm. Um, luckily the other, you know, the competition other than that has kind of diminished, like, you know, Indiana, um, the Knicks, like they're kind of taking a step back. The Hornets are having some weird stuff going on. So, I think, you know, we're in that playoff tier and I don't see us having a lot of a lot of uh, chance to really drop out of that. But, you know, we may end up being number nine or something or, or number eight. So we'll see. But I, I think they're going to be a really good team. But as we saw last season, health availability has a lot to do with it at the end of the day. Yeah. And uh, the other as uh, other point of, about health, like a lot of teams in the East, dealt with injuries last year too like it wasn't just the bulls um i mean i have a like uh a graphic of teams that dealt with uh various injuries uh throughout in the season let me uh see if i can the heat the heat were one of those teams that were kind of sleeping under the radar because they were injured and they were really good anyway teams in the east like you had the bucks missed 216 games total, like players combined this 216 games total. You had the Cavaliers, 268 games total, players missed. Um, you had, of the mentioned the Heat, 211 games total. Uh, the Hawks, 217 games total of players, uh, rotation players. Celtics also had injuries too, uh, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, not as many, but 105 games total. So like, you know, the Bulls had total combined of 224 games, which is, like I said, they had a lot of injuries, too, but so did other teams. And that's where you have to look at when you talk about, oh, if the Bulls can stay healthy. Well, if the Bulls can stay healthy, but if other teams stay healthy, um, that that doesn't really help the Bulls. Um, and really, the Bulls never stay healthy. Come on. Like, have we not paid <laughs> attention to this team the last, like, 20 years? They literally always are injured. Yeah, and they're literally gonna, they're literally going to start the team season injured because one of their most important players 
is probably not going to be available. Who knows how long? Like, I wouldn't be surprised, like, if we find out that he's not going to be available until the new year. Like, something goofy like that happens. I would not be surprised because this supposedly injury that was going to take six to eight weeks is now in the middle of July, and we're still – now they're saying that he's not going to be able to start the season. I was like, what, man? What the hell? So, like, that – like, the Lonzo situation, obviously, is very concerning. Um, but, like, other little things are bound to pop up for the Bulls. Like, it just – they always do. And, I'm like, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer in that regard, but it just does. Like, I'm just I'm – just, I'm, I feel like I'm just being, like, setting my expectations more so than – I hope they don't. I hope for like once in our lifetime, the Bulls are actually healthy for the most part uh, throughout the season. But that's just something that to think about too when we have a conversation about health and if this team can stay healthy. But I agree with Chris. Like I said earlier, I think that this Bulls team is jumbled up with teams like the Raptors, the Cavs, the Hawks, who took the, who, who will take a big step. Obviously, they have chemistry to figure out. Um, you know, Trey Young is going to have to really change the way he plays because you got a guy like DeJounte who's going to need the ball in his hand too. So Trey's going to have to learn to be off ball more. But, you know, they figure it out. That's going to be, they're going to be a, a threat in the East as far as at least for a, play, a playoff spot. Um, we'll see what the Knicks do further. I know they're rumored to go after Donovan Mitchell. Right now, I'd say there's probably still the play-in team the Knicks are. But, if they get Donovan Mitchell somehow, that, that puts them right in the mix of one of those teams that could take a top five seed. But yeah, it's just, I think the Bulls right now are probably sitting in that five to eight spot and hopefully they don't miss out <laughs> altogether. Yeah. But I think that's probably where they're end up in when it's said and done. Like if they, if they make the playoffs is between that five to eight. Yeah. This is a, this is sounding like last off season when we were saying they're going to be a five. You know, six seed. It's just now we have the benefit of knowing that, you know, we had they they were like a one or two seed for a little bit of last season. And then they kind of, you know, came back down because of injuries and other stuff. But uh, it, it feels more realistic this time around that like being a five or six seed is probably a safe bet. Uh, the team, I, I agree with Chris, like the teams below the Bulls don't really scare me. I think. The thing to really watch for is just how much distance the top of the East creates from everybody else. So uh, Boston's got one of the best nine-man rotations in the league. Milwaukee's going to be Milwaukee. Philly's going to be really good. Uh, who knows what happens with Miami? Uh, you know, there's a possibility that they could make a big move down the line. We don't really know, but they'll be really good uh, regardless. So uh, I, I don't know if any team can really jump in that, like, top four and make it interesting uh there could be some wrenches thrown in if if kd doesn't get moved if Kyrie doesn't get moved and brooklyn comes back at full strength with ben simmons and joe harris then you're talking about another team that could be potentially better than the bulls so it's just so much that could happen but yeah right now i'd say that the bulls are probably a five or six seed and best like ceiling case where they overachieve then i would hope that it's something where a scenario where patrick williams has become this really really good player and has kind right. of offset you know him and io maybe have offset any issues with uh lonzo's injury so that that could happen but you know we'll see but uh yeah, yeah. I, I, 
Oh yeah. Yeah, and I do think it is a possibility. I'm not. It, it's not like a zero sum thing where there's no chance Io and Pat. Yeah, are yeah. Good enough where they actually improve the team enough. I think there is a possibility that that happens. So it's not like we're we're completely SOL. Yeah. But I, it's it's definitely uh, right now as we look at this on paper, I would say that they're probably in that five to eight, but probably like a five to six, like you said. Yeah. It's kind of wild that the Nets, in the middle of trying to trade their two stars, also got better. Like if they brought that roster back, yeah. they added yeah. they added Sumner, they added TJ Warren, um, they added like, Royce O'Neal. Like they're gonna be. I'm also they just stand pat, man. They're gonna be really good. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm almost wondering like if if that's what the ownership or not ownership side, their front office is kind of doing. Whether they look. You want to be traded? Okay, well, we're going to ask for, like, ridiculous packages for you. If someone offers those packages, gives us those packages, fine, but we're not trading you, and you're going to go out there and play. And if that happens, and, you know, they go out there and start winning some games, like, we all know winning cures a lot of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So if the Nets go out, start the regular season with Kyrie and KD, and this time Kyrie will be available from the start, um, you know, that changes a lot, too, because right now we're making an assumption that KD is not going to be on this roster to start the 22-23 uh, season. But he very likely could stay on the roster because, like, if, if they keep continuing to ask stuff like like Cat and Anthony Edwards and, like, four draft picks for KD, uh, like, that's their, like, baseline, like, take it or leave it offers for what they want for KD then I don't think KD is getting moved. So yeah. he, the, the Nets could very likely be a team that, you know, all of a sudden are in that top five if if both Kyrie and KD are back and they're good to go. And they, those pieces that Chris mentioned that they added, that definitely helps improve them too. Obviously, TJ Warren is a big if because of his, his foot, but the other couple of players that they added and obviously they kept and so forth, um, yeah. they could they could improve the Nets around KD and Kyrie. Yeah, it's it's just kind of funny that all of this is happening. Is like Chris said, like they have a really good roster. So the fact that they want out is just kind of like, well, <laughs> I mean, this might be a pretty decent chance for them to actually do some of what they intended to do originally when they right. came to Brooklyn. But they, uh, it may be past the point of uh, return for them. So uh, who knows? We'll see. But uh. Let's kind of uh let's kind of wrap up with uh summer league. So the Bulls, uh, like we were talking about before the show, they didn't make the playoffs, uh, largely because that Knicks blowout messed up their net rating, even though they went three and one. But we got to see some of Dalen Terry, we got to see Mark Marco Samanovich, we got to see uh Justin Lewis, and we got to see a lot of other guys on the team. So, uh, Chris, what were some of your uh thoughts on how rookies played and Marco played during summer league? No, I was obviously probably focused the most on Dalen Terry, having not seen him before. And, you know, he was as advertised, I thought. He was a great passer in transition. You know, he, I think he was a little bit more ambitious given the form that he was in. So he had some turnovers, but I liked the turnovers, if that makes sense. Like, I liked what he was mm -hmm. doing. I liked the passes he was making. Um, his shot is definitely a work in progress, as we expected. But, I mean, he's a really gifted passer. I think he's a really good passer. He makes good decisions with the ball. He can lead that break. Um, 
his defense activity was really, really solid. I think he's going to be impactful on that end pretty soon. So, you know, I, I kind of think of him as the Troy Brown Jr. replacement for this team now that Troy Brown's gone. And Troy had a lot of the similar skills, right? Troy mm-hmm. was a pretty good on, uh, you know, on-ball defender. He was a good passer. Uh, he was a good rebounder. And, you know, the shot was the thing that was kind of shaky at times. Um, so I think Dalen Terry is going to step into a similar role. I don't know how much playing time he's going to get, but I was I was impressed with with what I saw for the most part, and it kind of went with what I thought I was going to see from him. I will say the thing I like most about him is his attitude and kind of motor and energy. Mm. He just seems like a really fun teammate to play with. Like you want to play with him. He hypes you up and he gets into guys' jerseys like, and that's going to fit really, really well with some of the other guys on this team, like Demar and Crusoe, who kind of have that infectious energy to play with. So he's going to have a lot of fun if he does get playing time this year. But I really like Dalen, and then uh, Justin Lewis. I thought was really solid. You know, both these guys are like six seven, lanky, uh, and we definitely need more guys of that size on this roster. And for that reason, I kind of think that Dalen is going to play more of a wing role than a guard role because we've got too many guards. But he's got the length and activity, I think, to really um, to make it on that end. And we, we need it. I wish we had some more shooting. But you know, overall, that was, that was kind of my thoughts on it. As far as Marco, he just has his his skill sets there. Like You see how skilled he is as a passer, and he's he's got you know good stroke and shooting. Um, but he'll have times where he just gets like bullied or out of position or he just kind of has like his, these ups and downs, which makes you think, I don't know if he's really an NBA player yet. And that's kind of how I thought of him from the start is I'm just not sure what his path's going to be to finding minutes on this team. If, if at all, and given that he's got a three-year deal, I just, I'm not really sure, but like he's got skills, he can score in bunches and. I think he's going to light up the G League again this year, but I don't know what he's going to do uh, in the immediate future. Maybe he's like, you know, once Vooch leaves or is traded or whatever, you know, maybe he gets some backup minutes at that point. But I don't, I don't know if I see much for him right now. But it's you know, kind of a mixed bag with him, I guess. Yeah, like with Marco, I'm like surprised me because you're out, you're out of my mind as far as a guy that's going to be a contributor on this roster. Like if you somehow all of a sudden come in and contribute and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You, you proved me wrong. I'm happy. Uh, outside of that, I'm like, I'm more excited about Dalen Terry and, and Justin Lewis. Like, uh, to Chris's point on Dalen, the, the attitude, like his the energy that he'll provide, it's just amazing. Like I love that. The swag that he has, I like. I like the fact that he, he was talking shit to Pat, and they were going, and he and Pat was going back at him. I like that. I was like, I'm I'm one of those players that like, you, if you back it up, you have to back it up. But I love when players are cocky and they just talk their shit. I love <laughs> that. That's why I love Jimmy Butler so much. That's why I love Joe Kim Noah so much. Like, I love when players do that. Obviously, you have to back it up, but. It just, it just, I just love it. And that's why with Dale and Terry, he just seems like one of those guys that, um, and ideally he will back it up, but like he just seems like one of those guys that will go out there and get in, uh, get in guys, defender, defender or uh, who he's defending in their, in their space, be really physical out there as a defender. 
uh, bring energy, bring a lot of like one-last traits. Um, that's who I was kind of comparing him to uh, as a prospect. Obviously, Lonzo is a, be- a better prospect coming into college, but just some of the skill sets that he has as a as an open court uh, wing. Um, obviously, the shot is something he's going to have to work on defensively. Similarities as all the length. Um, so yeah, I'm just I'm excited about Dalen and Justin Lewis will probably seeing the Windy City Bulls more often than not. But yeah, I'm, I'm interested in, I, I like, I like AK's philosophy and, and his type, like the guys that he's taking. I like that. I, those are the type of guys that you want in today's league. Those long, like wings, fours, big threes, if you will, that can play four and can switch, have that switchability. Um, and, and that's what he's contis- continuously has taken. Even with Ayo, obviously he's not a, a, a four, but. Uh, I defend probably one to three because of his length. He'll be able to eventually defend one to three probably just because of his length and ability to uh, be versatile in that regard. So yeah, I'm excited about some of these young pieces and, and if that, and that's really it too, right? For the Bulls, if, if you see the player development and you see all these pieces continuously in the next two, three years, like you have IO and then Austin and Dalen Terry hits and Pat starts developing any hits. And Austin Lewis becomes like one of these diamonds in a rough that they found undrafted. Um, then all of a sudden, you start seeing, oh, this team has some nice young depth, good te- depth, like the Memphis Grizzlies, for example. Like, oh man, look at all these young this team has, and now they're now they're cooking. Now they're really cooking, and that's a that's. I mean, that's. I don't know if that's a possibility yet, but that would be something that we need to really hope for with these guys. Yeah. I uh, I like I like what I see from Justin Lewis overall. Like when we were talking to uh, when we were talking to Corey about Lewis, like like I think Corey said that he had like a what did he say like a first round grade or like a near first round grade on uh Justin Lewis, and he was surprised that he yeah yeah he was uh, Corey had them in the uh, late first or at mm-hmm. least in the first round, and I think a lot of players on on. At least on draft Twitter, I should say, that had him the first round prospect. Yeah, and like I, I like what I see from him, and even in college, like it, he shot like just above like forty percent in conference play from three. So like, there's a decent skill set there as a six seven guy who can you know mix it up on both sides as a perimeter shot that you know is workable and can be a decent shooter. And yeah, I'm encouraging. Like, I, I have a lot more faith in Justin Lewis to become an NBA player than Samanovich for sure. Like, there are flashes of Samanovich that, you know, can get exciting. But like Chris, I'm just not sure. Um, I, I'm just not sure. Like, he, I don't think he's an NBA player right now. And I'm not sure he's going to be one going forward. Like, I, I don't know. And then defensively, yeah. I'm just not sure, like, what you do with him either I, I don't know like there's still a lot of question marks with uh Samanovich's game to me so uh, for me like I'm I think he's kind of salary fill in a trade at yeah. this point but uh who you knows know, <laughs> the weird thing with him too like uh, like for me like his only way to stay in this league is have a shot and like a yeah. shot be a, 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 floor, a floor spreader but his shot is still so flat it's like is he working on that i like yeah. Like I don't know what's going on there. I yeah. don't know. I don't like know. when Cor- 
Corey came on here when um, and drafted him, said he was a favorite to an agent. So uh, yeah. it's it's looking more and more yeah. like not more and more, but it's just flat out looking like that was a hundred percent spot on what Corey told us. Yeah, um, <laughs> it, like I think his shot <laughs> is it is it me? But I think his shot looks better than it did like the when he came into the league. I don't know, but it just. Like, like you said, I, he has to be a good shooter to stick because I, I don't really see it anywhere else with him as a player. So right now, I just kind of look at him as like a meme and salary fill. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like the Marco Hour stuff is funny at times. Uh, Dave- uh, shout, shout out to our tourist fan club. Yeah. Ross <laughs> started the Marco Hour. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's, what's funny about Marco is that he, he has like a skill set that you would need to have the right team around him to maximize. But the question becomes, is it worth doing that to maximize the skill set? And the answer to me is no right now. Mm. If he can develop that shot, that calculus changes a little bit. Yeah. But it's like Jimmer for debt, right? Like this is a throwback. But like Jimmer was such a great player coming out of college. But the question was always, you know, can he lead a team as a point guard in the league? And he has such a unique skill set that if you just maximized you know, pieces around him, you could make it work, but would you be good enough to do anything? Probably not. And that's ultimately yeah. kind of why he's, you know, now a god in China instead. But um, <laughs> that's what I feel Jimmer, about Marco is that same problem that Jimmer, that, that Jimmer had. That's former bull. I'm still, that's former bull, he, Jimmer, for that. Right? I'm still looking. If anybody listening has <laughs> any info on how I can get a Jimmer for that Bulls jersey, please DM me. I've been looking for years and I can't find one. But oh. I want one so bad. That's a rarity yeah. right there, man. Throwback. The Jimmer for that is the reason we have Chris on the Bulls. We will forever be thankful for that. Yeah. For only that reason. It's bringing Chris <laughs> to the Bulls. Yeah, uh, yeah. A, yeah a really yeah. weird circumstance. I, I love what you guys said about Dalen Terry, though. And what are the kids saying these days? He's got that dog in him. Right. Yes. You know, like, we need more dog players. Mentality. We need more players like Jimmy Butler, like Joe Kimno, like you said. We need that kind of guy on the team. And he's got that kind of personality of of the enforcer, um, that that kind of tough guy mentality. So I like it. Yeah. And, you know, were there guys that would have taken over him? Maybe, but I'm not a draft guy and I'm gonna I'm gonna believe in him until he gives me reasons to not. Yeah. Right. So I right. see the logic there with Terry, like I he's he's versatile, he's long, he's got a motor good confidence like just seems like a great teammate and even if he has a bad game like we were we've talked about this so many times this year about players who you really never have to question if they like left it all out there on the floor he seems like one of those guys like even if he has like a one for eight night i i don't really question if like he competed like i i he looks like he competed i think he competed he's into the games he seems focused like he seems like that type of player that you really want to be around and his versatility and his passing ability is going to be able to make him flexible in a lot of lineups. But as you guys said, his shooting, if he can unlock that shooting, then we're talking about a player that is going to be very valuable to this team. So uh, hopefully he can do that. I, I don't think he's, I, I, I don't think he's like, he can't improve the shot. So like, I think he can be, become like a passable shooter at some point, but, Overall, like I, I like what I saw from him and like the bits that I got to from Summer League. Like he seems like you can see the logic and why this team takes him and why they keep going to the same type of player that 
uh, Pat and Lewis and Io sort of fit. So, um, yeah, I, I really dig it. So let's uh, let, let's wrap up uh, this episode. Uh, Chris, any final thoughts uh, before we go? Uh, and please let our listeners know uh, what you got going on, what you're working on and where they can find you at on Twitter, man. Yeah, I, you know, I'm excited to get back into the Bulls again. Um, as as listeners of your show probably know if they're on the Barrow Network, uh, you know, Laro and I had Bulls 101 going for a year. Mm. And then Laro got hired by uh, you know, Sports Information Systems, SIS Hoops. And uh, so he, he's been doing that. And I took a little bit of a hiatus, which was really good for me just on a personal level. But ready to get back into the Bulls. And I'm excited to talk Bulls again. So um, I got something in the works right now that I'm hoping to provide more details on in the near future in the next you know few weeks or month or so but i am looking to get back into it um and do something at least on like a weekly basis doing bulls content and you know possibly beyond so i'm excited for that you guys can follow me on twitter at kla hoops um and you know make sure if you're not for some reason follow ed and salim these guys do a great job I've I've become I feel like I've become such good friends with you guys over the last couple of years, and Salim and I have been able to hang out in Chicago twice now. Yeah, and um, we went to that we went to that jazz game, yeah, early jazz game that was really fun to go to, and uh, they got to hang out in February, and I got a Crusoe jersey from you, so forever grateful. That's right. Nice <laughs> Crusoe jersey as well, <laughs> rocking it. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to to see the Bulls do some more stuff and. You know, I'm looking forward to seeing if this philosophy from the front office is going to play out. You know, they're really focused on continuity. They liked how the team looked in the early season, and I agree with them. You know, they were they were a top 10 offense and defense and approaching top 5 offense and defense. So, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this team gels and improves. I'm especially looking forward to Pat uh to Pat, you know, spreading his wings a little bit more. And I want to see Vooch have a bounce back here. He's had, man, he's got a lot of flack and he's, he's really taken it in yeah. stride. He's, he's, he's doing jokes on Twitter about how he was looking to buy a house in Salt Lake for all those go bear root, uh, trade rumors. But I hope he has a bounce back here. I hope he shoots a little bit better. I think he was a lot better than I think was advertised by, um, you know, the broadcast team sometimes and some fans Right. So I, I hope he's got. I hope he has a great season too, because he's a really valuable player. And I also, you know, personally would like to think that we didn't trade Wendell for nothing, because uh, I really liked Wendell a lot. So you know, I'm I'm rooting for Vooch. I'm in this corner. So that that's all all for me. I really appreciate you guys having me on. It's it's been so nice to just chat bulls again for an hour. Of course, man. Like we love talking bulls with you, and it's like that first the first time that we had uh you and Laro on the show that. It doesn't feel like that long ago, but you guys have wow. like, you guys have been doing so much since then. So it's like really crazy. Yeah, it, it goes by fast, but yeah, <laughs> got more stuff in the works and I'm, I'm excited to keep doing this at least as a hobby. You know, yeah. I got my day job, but <laughs> on the weekends, it's yeah. all bulls, baby. Yeah, 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 for sure, man. And I'm, I'm with you on the Vooch take. Uh, I, I've said it too. I, I think that he, while he wasn't great last year, I think he was a lot better than what people give him credit for. And there's worse things than being an 18, 11 and three big man who can, you know, have some hot games from three, you know, on occasion. So I hopefully he does shoot it better this season. And, uh, you know, that that can also be something that really unlocks this team. 
uh, next season. Salim, you got any final thoughts before we wrap up? Yeah, 100% agree with you guys on Vooch. Um, if you can even get back to like a 35 or 36% shooter, that's, uh, that'll be a, a, a boost. Help, helps, uh, spread the floor and help. And obviously the shooting is such a big need for the Bulls. So it, it, it'll help that regard too. We didn't really talk about him in the pod, but Kobe, I'm interested to see what happens with him the rest of the offseason. Um, obviously if he's back, the minutes are crowded. Mm-hmm. And obviously when Chris mentioned earlier, the note that, uh, Goran was promised 20 to 25 minutes a game. So it's like, okay, even, even with Lonzo out, that becomes, how is that going to happen? 25 to 20, 20 to 25 minutes a game with, uh, with Io, Caruso, Zach, and, uh, be on the roster you're gonna get how are you gonna get 20 different minutes that's that's steep so i'm thinking that there's still a possibility that kobe's traded um and it could be a situation like larry where it just happened later than we expected it to happen um so it'll be interesting to, to keep a note on that as far as what happens with kobe uh, but if it's kobe's back obviously he does has shoot he is a shooter um, he shot 38% last, and he just unfortunately had a bad stretch to end the season that really hurt his overall numbers. Uh, he was above 40% for most of the season otherwise. Um, looking, see what happens with Kobe, like I said. But yeah, Chris, always love having him on. I love his, his Bulls knowledge, his mm-hmm. basketball knowledge. His Twitter game is on point. Like he wasn't tweeting for such a long time, but now he's back and has get his, his Tweets are getting like four or five hundred likes like all the time. It's like, man, what? Like, he, he takes like a two month hiatus, three month hiatus from from tweeting, and it comes back, and it's already putting everyone else to shame. Yeah, just recharge, so, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, he's he's a great follow, and he's a you know very welcome back bulls uh, amongst bulls twitters because he's very he's very uh, logical and. Mm-hmm. makes good points he doesn't just go one way or the other with so it's always nice and refreshing to have that on absolutely amongst amongst your uh, followers but yeah um looking forward to seeing what happens like with the rest of the off season like let's see if more videos pop up of pat working out i working out um all these other guys working out i know demar was uh Dropping buckets and Julie with LeBron, maybe, maybe yeah. recruiting LeBron to uh, come to the Bulls twenty twenty three. That could be a possibility. Ah, uh, fine, finally, fine. Look, man, hey Jerry Reinsdorf, Jerry Reinsdorf always gets his guy, man. Hey, man, hey, but you know this somebody will still be good. So it's yeah. not like LeBron will still be a star. So it's, yeah. I'll take it. I'll take. I'll take an old LeBron who's still a star. Yeah. <laughs> over over whatever else that. We have cooking for 2020. I mean, outside of trading for one of the top five-ish guys or whatever, like Jokic, I keep dreaming about him. Mm. I keep dreaming about the Joker just because the AK connection. But, um, but yeah, we'll see what happens the rest of the last season. Um, but yeah, that's that's all I got. Yeah, there's still a still quite a bit of off season left, so uh, we'll see what Bulls or we'll see what moves the Bulls are going to make uh, for now in between then. But uh, that concludes today's uh, Bulls Gold. As always, check out our past shows wherever you get your podcasts, on Apple, on Spotify, on Podbeam. And uh, check us out right here on the Ballroom Network. So 
uh, for Salim Sudawala, I'm Edward Schuler. This has been Bulls Gold, and we will catch you next time, Bulls fans.